0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 2nd of October 2016, entitled, Who Is This Man? And the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 32, verses 1 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. And I'm going to invite you to stand to honor the reading God's most precious word. Isaiah chapter 32, beginning in verse 1. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. And a man shall be as an hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. The eyes of them that see shall not be dim, and the ears of them that hear shall hearken. The heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge, and the tongue of the stammerer shall be ready to speak plainly. The vile person shall be no more called liberal, or the churl said to be bountiful. For the vile person will speak villainy, and his heart will work iniquity, to practice hypocrisy, and to utter error against the Lord, to make empty the soul of the hungry, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. The instruments also of the churl are evil. He deviseth wicked devices to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speaketh right. But the liberal deviseth liberal things, and by liberal things shall he stand. Rise up, ye women that are at ease. Hear my voice, ye careless daughters. Give ear unto my speech. Many days and years shall ye be troubled. Ye careless woman, for the vintage shall fail. The gathering shall not come. Tremble, ye women that are at ease. Be troubled, ye careless ones. Strip you and make you bare and gird sackcloth upon your loins. They shall lament for the teats, for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine. Upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars, yea, Upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city, because the palaces shall be forsaken, the multiple of the city shall be left, the forts and towers shall be for dens forever, a joy of wild asses, a pasture of flocks, till the Spirit be poured upon us from on high. And the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. Then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness. Righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of righteousness shall be peace. The effect of the righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. My people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places when it shall hail coming down on the forest and the city shall be low in a low place. Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters that send forth thither the feet of the ox and the ass. Father, we thank you as we read this passage before us here this evening that, Lord, you inspired to be written down by your prophet Isaiah. Lord, it's preserved for us for all of these years. We pray that as we look here briefly this evening, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts from your Word by the power of your Spirit. You know each one this evening. You know what each one needs. Lord, we We need not come here to waste our time. Lord, we've come here to worship you, to magnify you, and to hear from you. So I pray at this time, Lord, that you would see fit to speak to our hearts as only you can. Help us, Lord, to be receptive, responsive in whatever way we need to. We give you the praise, the thanks. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Of course, we find that... This passage, if you begin to go to commentaries to see what in the world is this really describing here, we know that there are both promises and warnings that are given in this passage. There's times of tribulation, but there is a deliverer, a king that delivers his people. And I guess that some would think that this man that's being spoken of is Hezekiah, some will think that it's Jesus Christ Himself. I point your attention to verse 2 and a man shall be as in hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. I'm just going to ask you two questions this evening. And the first one is Who is this man? time being described in the way some think is that a lot of these things did uh, about 700 years before Christ. uh, We find that some think that this was being described as the reign under under King Hezekiah. Some believe that it's maybe the millennial reign when Christ has come back to reign upon this earth, which many of us believe is literally just around the corner, that that could happen at any time. But note not only that it's the reign of the king, but also those who are ruling under him here. Have we ever seen such a period as this on earth? I don't think so. It's not not a possibility that, uh, uh, I guess, as many would think that we are already living in the millennium when some of our brethren that believe in an amillennial reign rather than a literal premillennial reign like we would hold to I just don't see where the Scriptures can, can bear that out. Who is this man? This man that is a hiding place from the wind, that is a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Well, I believe it's none other than the f- one that we find described to the very first man and woman back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. He is the one that Eve was expecting. He's the one that in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, when that child was born, she had was predicted before him when God told her that it was going to be And, of course, when their first son, when Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. There was excitement there. She was excited in the the Hebrew text when he says, I've gotten a man from the Lord. I have gotten a man, even the Lord, it could be translated. God had promised that he was going to send one. She was expecting him so soon that even when that first child was born upon the earth, she thought that that was him, that God had fulfilled that promise. But we know that in actual fact it was some 4,000 years that that promise would be fulfilled when Jesus Christ himself would come into the world. I believe that the one that's being described here is the same one that we find in Genesis chapter 22, verse 8 was Isaac's substitute. And Abraham said, "My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering." So they went both of them together. Notice that Abraham said, "My son, God will provide himself a lamb." It's interesting when you look at the terminology there because He was God. God provided the Lamb, but God provided the Lamb in Himself. It's not God would provide for Himself. God would provide Himself, Jesus Christ, in the flesh to be the substitute. He's the one that Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's the man that's being described here. He's the same one that John describes in John chapter 1, verse 29. It's the Lamb of God. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, "Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world." Of course, the lamb is an animal sacrifice that's offered throughout the Old Testament. Is a type of the ultimate sacrifice, of Jesus Christ Himself. John recognized him when he saw him there that he was the Lamb of God. He was the one that he promised back in, promised Abraham back in Genesis chapter 22 when he said he would provide himself a lamb. He was the same one that Isaiah had predicted to come. He's the same one when John saw him when he came come to this earth. Behold, the Lamb of God. He's the same one that the Apostle Paul wrote about in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. He said, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man. the Man, Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is that only mediator. There's only one God. There's not many gods. There's one God and there's only one mediator, one mediator that can get you from where you are to God. Jesus Christ himself, he's the one with the wounds in his hand. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 6, prophesied, saying, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hand? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded the house of my friends. He's the one, the one that allowed himself to be nailed to that cross and the wounds that even his apostles saw after that he rose. He's the one. I believe it was the apostle Paul that wrote in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 24 and 25 described, he said, but this man, Because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for him. This is the man. This is the man that was first prophesied to the very first man and woman that ever was put upon this earth. He was the man that was gotten from the Lord. He is the one that God himself prepared himself as a sacrifice, as the sacrificial lamb. He is the one that is described as our wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I think that it was Brother Peter that some time back went through a study of a lot of the names of God. They tell us a lot about God, just as all the various names of Jesus, they tell us so much about Him. Who is this man that's being described here? He is the Lamb of God. He is the sacrifice that God has provided. He is the one mediator that we must go through to get from our sinful selves on this earth to the one God in heaven. He is the one that bears the wounds in His hand that was nailed to that tree not because they took His life from Him, but because He laid it down of Himself. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he took that punishment for you and for me. He is the one that continueth ever, eternally. He didn't just come into existence. In the beginning, God, Elohim, the three in one, was there in the beginning. When everything else became, he was already there. He is the one that continueth ever. He's unchangeable. He's able to save no matter where a person is, no matter the depths of their sin, no matter what they've done or what their past might be, he can save to the uttermost all those that will come to God by Jesus Christ. He is the mediator for all. It says he liveth ever to make intercession for them. He is the one that we read about in Revelation chapter 5. He is the only one that's worthy to take the book, the seven-sealed book, and to open it. Revelation chapter 5 verse 3 says, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And This is John writing, he said, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Nobody was worthy to open the book, to look at what was there. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. This is the man, the one that is at the right hand of the Father today that is still mediating for you, that is still your intercessor. This is the man that's being described here, the man that died for you because God himself provided himself as a sacrifice for our sins. This is the man the only one, the only one that could be found that was worthy to open the books in heaven. This is the man. May I read to you again, chapter 32, verse 2 said, And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow." A great rock in a weary land. Folks, this man is Jesus. Who is the man? It is Jesus Christ himself. What does this man do? Well, first of all, he says, and a man shall be as an hiding place from the wind. Now, to really get the full context of what's being said there, remember Where Isaiah was at. Remember what kind of winds they were talking about. This literally was in the desert land, the burning hot violent winds of the desert. The worst that can be thrown against man that was found there and yet that's the man. Jesus Christ is in hiding place from the worst of the winds that can come. Whatever could be thrown against you. He's a man. It's a hiding place that can cover you from all of that. In Colossians 3, 3, it says, For ye are dead. Ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. We'll never fully, fully grasp all that's being said there, but This is the man that's being described. And what does he do? Well, he's the one that is your hiding place from the worst winds that can blow against you in the desert places when they're coming and they're scorching and they would kill anybody in their way. Jesus Christ is your hiding place. Why? Because you, your life is hid with Christ in God. Totally. When you're in Christ, he is your protection He is the one that's there. He says, a covert from the tempest. This goes back a bit to what we were looking at this morning when we tried to to look at the two households that God said that he had put a difference between Egypt signifying the world and Israel signifying God's people. And when we looked at the differences, the big difference, the blood of the Lamb, one of the things that it gave you, it meant that even though those houses were sitting next to each other, even though they may have looked the same, even though they may have been going about their day-to-day jobs doing the same things in the same place, there was a difference because that shelter only covered them from the natural elements if they were lucky. But those that God had put a difference in, those that belonged to Him, (laughs) Their shelter protected them from all because it was the blood of Jesus Christ that was upon their shelters. The blood being applied made all the difference, and you can apply that even to this temporal shelter that we live in. That blood is applied. You see, we are hid in Christ. That's our shelter, a covert from the storm, literally a cover, a shelter from the tempest, from the big storms. That's this man, Jesus. What does he do? He's there to protect you from the greatest storms that can be blown against you. In Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and saying to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this man? This man is Jesus. This man is the one that will be your hiding place. Because you're hidden in him. He is the one that will be your cover, your shelter. And even though fiercest storms, yes, we find in chapter Mark, some people think these are just stories that are put there to somehow make it interesting and exciting for us. No. Jesus Christ commanded the literal sea to be still, and it was still. There's not a storm. There's nothing that can come up in your life that is beyond his control. It's there for us to know why were they so fearful? They saw the waves, they saw the storm. I mean, the boat it says was being tossed about and it was literally filling up with water. I don't know about you, the greenest that I've ever turned in my life was when I was on a boat out at sea and land couldn't be seen and it started getting tossed around, I think I turned green. I probably looked like I was from Mars. And I promise you, that wasn't even a storm. <laughs> that was just a little rocking compared to what's being described here. Some people talk about it. Somebody asked my wife and I here just a, I don't know, a couple of recently, <laughs> if we wanted to go on a cruise. And I told him, I said, look, you know, I don't, I don't mind getting in point A and, and going across the sky and getting off at point B, but I got no desire to cover a couple thousand miles across an ocean with nothing but water and waves out there. There's nothing out there. I mean, when you've seen it, what else is there to see? Unless it's a storm that comes to take you over. I don't, I don't care about that. I want you to grasp. I just want to remind you this evening, this man is Jesus. And when you have Jesus even with the fiercest, hottest, scorching desert winds blowing against you, you don't have to worry about it because he's the one that you're hid in. He's the one that will protect you from those winds. These fiercest storms, I don't believe for a moment, I believe that these stories are real when it talks about him calming the natural sea. And man, there's time, if I was out there, I would hope that I would have the faith to trust him to calm it if it started blowing me around like that. He says, where's your faith? Why are you afraid of this stuff? So many times we get so fearful just because we forget who Jesus really is. He's the man. He's the man. He's the one that will be there to protect you against those winds. He's the one that will be your covert from the tempest, your cover, your shelter amidst the storm. He says, as rivers of water in a dry place. He's to us as as rivers of water would be out in the middle of that arid desert. Remember, Isaiah's is out there in desert land. But yet when he's describing this one, this man, this man, Jesus, when he's describing him, <laughs> he's saying it may be all desert, <laughs> all dry and all sand, but I'm telling you, he's like rivers of water in a dry place. We find that most of us don't really know what it's like. I mean, we, we say we're thirsty, and, 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 you know, we think that, well, we could, we could use a drink of water, and, and we get some water, and we try to quench our thirst. That's good. But The picture he's painting for us here, I don't think any of us have ever experienced what it means to be thirsty in the middle of the desert with no water. He's telling us, in that experience, when you're there, Jesus, He's like rivers of water in that dry place. In John chapter 4, verse 13, 14, listen to what Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water, speaking of this earthly water there at the well with the woman, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. There's one thing that life on this planet cannot exist without. That's water. You won't exist long without water. You know, we just take it for granted a lot of times we go. We turn on the tap and it's there. But he's talking about when you're in a dry place. You ever get in a spiritually dry place Will you feel like you're out in the middle of the desert all by yourself maybe? Well, you know, he said this this water that we have here, it'll it'll quench your thirst for now, but you'll get thirsty again. But he says with Jesus, <laughs> he's like a well of water just filling up within you. It never runs dry. He's always there. The truth is, is that sometimes spiritually we may get thirsty. We forget to realize Jesus is right there. He is. It's the song that he is everything that we need. He is like rivers of water in that dry place. He is as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Now, I know I grew up in a time back when when I was a kid, most of the TV shows and the movies were about cowboys and Indians. They were always out there in these desert places, and they were always out there, you know, riding their horses, and they would always end up, it seemed like, at some big rock somewhere, shooting it out with each other. But I picture this, I, I remember so many times. that was a wild country. It was wild elements so many times in the midst of all of that heat, the elements, and everything that came down upon them, you'd find them finding rest just beneath a rock somewhere. (laughs) I mean, just a shadow of a rock. It would just bring the coolness that they needed because they were trying to survive in such elements. We don't experience a lot of that these days in our natural lives. I mean, almost, we're lucky if we get people to do anything outdoors because everything's undercover, indoors, shelter. But what Isaiah is describing here, man, when you're out there, everything's beating down upon you, Jesus will bring that one that will bring you that refreshing shadow. He's the one that will protect you from the heat. He's the one that will let you feel that, that cool breeze blowing across you. He's describing this man here as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Being able to get out from under all those things that are coming about you, Jesus is your resting place. He tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. That's Jesus making that same promise of what Isaiah saw back there when he saw Jesus, and he saw him as that hiding place from the wind when the when the windstorms would come up, as a covert from the tempest, from the storm to give him the shelter as rivers of water in a dry place in, the, in that desert land, as the shadow of a great rock, a place to be refreshed, to find rest in a weary land. Jesus said, come to me. When you labor and you're tired and when you're heavy laden and trying to carry so much, he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. What does it mean to take the yoke upon you? You know, they, they put the yoke on the on the oxen or whatever that they would to, to guide them and to control them when they were out there doing the work and playing the field. He's saying, let me guide you. Give me control. Come on, just, just come to me. You're weak, you're heavy laden, you're bored down with all this. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Let me have control. Learn of me. He said, I'm meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. This evening, sometimes if you're feeling weak, if you're feeling like you're heavy laden down, just remember, Jesus has already told you, just come to me. Who is this man? Jesus. He's the only one. He's the one we say like, No other name under heaven like the name of Jesus. There's nobody else in all the world that will be to you, all that Jesus will be to you. He's been there forever, and he will be there forever, and he wants you to be there forever with him. Whether the battles in your life, whether they're physical and natural in this world, or whether they're spiritual, all the forces of hell are coming against you. He's reminding us here through the prophet Isaiah, that he's there for you. Don't let the storms beat you down. Don't let the winds come and blow you about. Have faith. Look to him. Trust in him. He'll be there. When you drink of his water, you'll never thirst again. He'll be your resting place. Just remember him. Father, we thank you this evening as, Lord, we just, we read of different descriptions of our Lord in the book of Isaiah, but, Lord, this is a place where He's talking about our Lord he's talking about Lord what he will be to us and I thank you this evening and I pray that you'll just help us and remind us that boy Jesus is everything to us. Help us not to be like like those that were near to him and those that were following those that were out there on the boats with him and Lord when the storm started coming up and they did don't you care Lord that we're going to perish that we're going to die? Why are you afraid? Where's your faith? Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to look at the storm, not to feel the winds that are blowing hard, not to feel the parchment and the dry. Help us to look to Jesus and remember who he is. I don't know what battles and what struggles that some may be going through here this evening. Lord, I know that you're there for them. I know that your promises are true. And I pray that you just use this as a little reminder at this time. You are there for us. You're all that we need. Help us to look to you, to trust you. We give you all the thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.